first thing that like, happens, I'm like, I'm hitting balls next to Patrick Reed and my dad like takes out his camera, thinks he's being like super sneaky, like under his arm, like <laughs> taking a video. I'm like, dad, like we all know what you're doing. Like just stop. You're listening to the Birdie Dad podcast. They can't make a birdie, but they can dad. And now your hosts, Jared, Brian and Trevor. All right, welcome back to another episode of the show. This week, Trevor and Brian and I are joined by James Nicholas, a professional golfer who is also a videographer and content creator. James, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, James, um, let me run down a quick background of you for our listeners. Uh, You are an extremely talented athlete. You were recruited to play football, hockey, golf, and lacrosse out of high school, and you attended Yale, pre-med, by the way. And then at Yale, you played football and golf until you ultimately focused on just golf. And recently, you've made your professional career in golf now. Um, And you're sitting with three dads who are, I just got to tell you, are incredibly impressed by what you've accomplished. And I also have to point out, you have a very impressive YouTube channel and a creative Instagram page. So, uh, James, really interested in what you're creating right now. You fit right in with what we want to teach our kids And first, I want to know more about this YouTube channel you have. You have some great videos on there for some pretty cool locations. And I really like this hidden talent you have. Tell us more about that YouTube channel. Yeah, thank you. Um, When I was, I think, 13, 14 years old, my family and I went on really cool trips to Antigua, um, to Puerto Rico. We just, you know, we spent Christmas and the holiday season, always somewhere really nice. and We were really fortunate. So I always wanted to kind of remember those trips um, and that's when I got a GoPro for the first time in Christmas. It was GoPro Hero 1. I remember it. It was, you know, super raw. It was way bigger than they are today. But it, would, you know, captured what, and it did what it needed to do. Uh, picked it up, went to, uh, you know, went on vacation with my family, recorded every second of the trip, whether it be, you know, diving into the water or just kind of hanging around the house. And I got back, put it all into iMovie at the time, and just edited a video to a song that I liked. And, you know, I uploaded to YouTube. Got a couple thousand views, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I was like, "Wow, there's a couple thousand people watching my video." Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know these nice. many people. This is crazy. And then it just kind of evolved from there. Brands started reaching out, being like, "Hey, like, wear my hat in this video, or you know, wear my watch." Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Sweet, like, free stuff. This is you know, little kids' biggest dream." So um, yeah. that kind of motivated me to do it more and more. And then uh, you know, I tried to incorporate that with golf and with hockey and football and other sports and. It was really cool going through high school and having my camera in my hand at all times. I got to really capture my entire childhood and I look back on it all the time and I'm like, oh wow, like that was my freshman year in football when we, you know, we beat New Rochelle, you know, 20, 20 to seven and, uh, you know, whatever, John had two touches, whatever it was. And I, I was able to capture a lot of moments that I would have forgotten otherwise. I, I'm going to date myself, but I remember my dad filming my games when I was on VHS with the old like shoulder camera. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Not the same quality of the GoPro. I love your golf video that you did, the, the Yale compilation one, where you got drone footage mixed in with the golf rounds. That is really cool. Um, and looking at your time at Yale, I mean, you come from a talented family. You were in multiple sports competitively, but who introduced you to the game of golf? How old were you when that started? I don't, you know, there's no exact kind of date. It was when I was younger, my dad and my grandfather both played and they loved the game. So I have pictures of, of myself being two, three years old with a plastic club in the house, in the dining room, you know, just hitting shots off the walls and just being a total menace. <laughs> my mom would be running around. My dad's like, what do you do? But uh, I just, yes. I always love to be active and whether it be hockey, just hit things, right? Like 
kick a ball. I, I was always active and, and, and doing everything I could to, you know, wreak havoc with my parents. So um, I'd say my grandfather really is the one who kind of taught me to love the game. He was a lefty. Uh, he, you know, we ride around the cart. Every time I hit a shot, whether it be good or bad, he would just be like, wow, like incredible. And then I thought that I was like, I was just, you know, being a six, seven, eight, now getting older, nine-year-old kid being like, wow, I'm really good at this even though I was probably dribbling <laughs> down the fairway. But it was that, you know, emotion that he showed toward me that really made me love the game. That's awesome. So you said he was a lefty. Like, did you, are, are, you're not a lefty, right? No. You're, so you're... I, I picked up, I started playing golf lefty and righty because when I go okay. visit him, I, I pick up his lefty clubs and swing. Then I go back home and I had my set and I'd, I'd hit my righty clubs. Um, but I was a lefty in hockey. So I was always pretty good at hitting a ball, the golf ball lefty. And I actually, I think this was freshman year in high school, um, I bet one of my friends who wasn't a big golfer, I was like, I bet you I can beat you lefty. And we went out and I shot 84 on my own ball and, and won the match. So uh. it was just one of those things where, where, where hockey has really helped me, you know, mature and get better in this game. That's great. Yeah. So you, you were playing, I mean, at Yale, you played football too. And when I, when I look back, I think it was your sophomore year that you decided to stop playing football. And for myself as a dad, it's, I think that's a fear, right? That our kids one day will tell us, hey, we're not going to play this sport that maybe I would love watching them play. So I'm really curious, what did your parents say when you, you made that decision to, to quit one sport? And did you know that you were, I mean, the whole plan was to focus just on golf at that time? Yeah. I mean, my entire childhood, my parents wanted to expose me to every single sport or no, no sports at all, but they wanted to have, like, give me the opportunity to choose what I loved and what I didn't. Um, and I think sometimes I needed to push, like I never wanted to do swimming, but they were like, Hey, just go. I want you to try it. If you don't like it, you can stop. I went, you know, I was on the swim and dive team growing up. I played lacrosse, soccer, basketball, baseball, tennis, golf, hockey, you know, you, you name a sport. And I, I was playing it, um, some for longer than others, but I just, I think that that was the most incredible thing that they wanted me to just try it. And then there was no pressure to continue it if I didn't like it. But me being me, I just, I, I loved it playing the competitive mindset of all sports and being with my friends in that kind of atmosphere. Um, and then going forward with golf, I, I never thought I was going to be a professional golfer. Um, I always had a dream to play a professional sport. And my dream to this day is still to play in the Olympics. But it was never, you know, golf is the sport. I'm the best at this. It was probably hockey. And that was the one sport that I thought that I was going to pursue, um, you know, for the rest of my career. And then one thing led to the next. I had this opportunity to go to Yale to play football and golf, and I couldn't turn that down. So, you know, it was just kind of evolved as I got older. And then after freshman year football, I had no intention of quitting. Um, but I really just looked at the seasons. Like I didn't really have as much fun as I did in high school. And golf was the you know craziest year of golf you know, I've ever had in my life. And I, I fell in love with the sport um, with my coach, Colin Sheehan at Yale, um, just teaching me and bringing me these really cool places. And you know, my freshman year at, at Yale, we went to Northern California, we played Cypress Point, San Francisco Golf Club, Monterey Peninsula, Pebble Beach. Um, you know, We played the five of the top best courses in the world. And I, that, that was when I kind of turned and I was like, yeah, I think this is, this is for me. Nice. So you played all these sports and that's, that's great. So growing up though, we're dads. So we're trying to figure out how to impart our love for golf to our kids. Um, but it sounded like, I mean, none of that came from your parents really. It was, it was kind of more just experience through what you were doing and, and they didn't push you at all. Um, do you think anything led you one way or the other towards golf besides that experience at Yale? Or was it, is there anything I can do to get my kids into golf? <laughs> What's the yeah, best strategy? A hundred percent. My dad, I remember this vividly. Whenever we were, you know, really young, I can't give you exact ages, but ages five to 10, um, my dad would be like, want to go to the range? And 
at that point, I'm like, no, I don't want to go to the range. Like, I want to jump around the trampoline. Um, he's like, all right, we go to the range for an hour. You get Hagen does. And I'm like, done. Like, let's go. Like, get in the car. I'm waiting for you. Um, and then I think, like, after two or three times of just doing that, I'm like, all right, golf means ice cream. Let's go do it. You know, just kind of tribute one thing to the next. But that was when I started loving it. I just started hitting the ball. And once I'm there, once, you know, your kid's there, they just, they're going to dive down into it. No one's going to sit and mope around. But, like, I think that during my, my junior career at the IJGT, the just junior tour, I saw a lot of parents who were super controlling, super um, intense. And it kind of, that turned me off of it. And if mm-hmm. my parents were like that, I think I would have, I would have hated the game of golf. I would have hated traveling. I would have hated probably just being around them. Right. I mean, that kind of intensity <laughs> at such a young age yeah. is just not, is not what you need. And I think that, you know, you want to be there to support them and you want them to win, but just the, it's just an experience, right? If your kid's not going to be the next Jordan Spieth, like who cares, right? As long as they're having fun and doing what they love is is kind of the, the main goal. And I think that by just getting them out there and teach them the game, they're going to love it if they're able to enjoy it on their own without somebody telling them to like it. Because when someone tells you to like something, you're automatically be like, no, I don't like that. That's just how people work, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You really encourage that multi-sports. Your parents did. And I think that's great. You, you brought up some excellent tips that, you know, they let you explore, they let you just have fun. Um, and we talk about that a lot too, just going out and having a good time. And when you're on tour, I looked at, you know, I saw that you're in these, when you're in these tournaments, um, recently you had one of your childhood friends caddy for you and he just so happens to be Boston Bruins defenseman, Charlie McAvoy, right? Great story. Yep. Uh, I love that. Um, if you tell us a little more there, but I also want to know, has you, have you ever had your dad caddy for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll jump on this Charlie story quickly. Charlie and I, we played hockey growing up our whole lives. We were enemies at first, then we became teammates and we just kind of bonded and became really close friends. And Charlie was just after the season one, one year, he was just like, Hey, like, let me know when I can come caddy. And I was like, all right, yeah, sure. Like come next week. And he was like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, why not? Like you can come caddy. But that was two years ago. And then he's like, oh, I can't do it this time. But you let me know when and we'll do it. So then COVID happened. Season got shortened. Kind of the week was perfect to do it. He came down caddy for me. We had a blast. I um, missed the cut, but you know, it happens. I had one of the best weeks I've had in a while having him in the bag. So um, that was, you know, one story. But my dad, my first PJ Tour start, I actually had him on the bag. I played the Rock and Mortgage Classic in uh, October, I think, uh, yeah, like a month ago. And it was his 60th birthday. And I remember I got the call that I was in the tournament and was on a sponsor's invitation. And I gave him a call. I'm like, hey, dad, like, what are you doing next week? And he's like, oh, nothing. You know, I'm just working. He's an orthopedic surgeon. And I'm like, oh, like, would you want to come caddy for me in the Rock and Mortgage? And he goes, <laughs> you mean the PJ Tour event? I'm like, yeah, come on, let's go. And he's like, and just, you know, super pumped, canceled all of his patience. Like, I, it was just one of the coolest experiences I've got to share with him. And there's, you know, there's no one I'd rather share it with. He was the one who's been by my side. Him and my mom have just been my biggest cheerleaders. And it was upsetting to me that I couldn't have my family there watching on site due to COVID and my mom. But I just, you know, one of those things where I got to kind of really experience on a firsthand like, with my dad inside the ropes. Um, the one thing I told him was like, hey, dad, like, just whatever you do, like, don't embarrass me. Don't take videos. And I get to the range. Like, <laughs> first thing like, happens, I'm like, I'm hitting balls next to Patrick Reed and my dad like takes out his camera thinks he's being like super sneaky like under his arm like <laughs> taking a video i'm like dad like we all know what you're doing like just stop that's a that's a dad um, move it's, Total a dad, dad move. it's a dad move and then you know it comes out of love and I, i'm gonna look back on the video one day and be like oh they kind of have that like way to go dad so 
So, so in one of our recent episodes, we talked about the, what we enjoy in a plane partner. So in a foursome and things like that. And we had this whole list of the types of like partners, golf partners that are out there. So, you know, coaches versus, you know, friends versus like the cheerleader, all that kind of stuff. What kind of uh, golf partner was your dad? What kind of caddy was your dad? Cause we, we had a whole list of like, don't like as a caddy, don't point out the negative, be positive, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. How'd your dad do? I think he's my punching bag, right? I just blame everything on him. And if I miss if I miss a putt and he doesn't even read, I'm like, "Oh, great read, Dad!" Like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, he he's very. I ask him for his opinion. He's a very smart guy. Um, he'll tell me straight up what he thinks, and I love that. You know, super unfiltered, and that's what I need in a cat. I need somebody to tell me with an unbiased opinion, like what what do you think here? When I ask them, I, he does his best job at doing that. Sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong, as we all are. Um, but it's great having him on the bag. I think that. When I play badly, he might think it's his fault, but that's just, I feel like that's what dads do, right? I, I can't, exp- I, I don't know that feeling yet, but I feel like, you know, one day when I have a son, if he's playing golf, I'm going to just be living and dying by every single shot like my dad does. Um, when and, and I'm the one who's like, I hit a bad shot, I'm like, yeah, whatever, let's move on to the next one. He's like super like upset about it. I'm like, dad, like, we're good. Like, let's just, like, <laughs> we'll make it up here. So when's he on the bag next for you then? You, you having him back soon? So he's caddy for me on like three corn ferry tour events. It, it just, whenever he's got a week free or light on work and he wants to come down and, and spend the week, he just kind of texts me. He's like, Hey, like, you need a caddy? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So it's kind of whatever he wants. That's awesome. That's what we're trying to do here. It's just. Yeah. I love that relationship with your dad you have. I mean, we talk, that's what we want to do. I mean, just, you, you know, you've heard this and I know your dad's told you, I'm sure is, is that has got to be just a peak moment for him. And it's great that it's for you too. I mean, for us, we all have kids. That's the whole point. We're trying to talk to kids and talk to dads. And that, that's the ultimate goal is to be standing there one day watching your kid hit the ball in a professional golf tournament, you know, regardless of win, lose, draw. Right. So love that. Yeah. yeah my, um, so my mom and dad, obviously they're both really talented athletes and, I'm one of five. So my four younger siblings are all incredibly gifted athletes. And it's been really cool to watch my parents do everything in their possible, you know, everything they can to make every single one of our events, you know, whether it be flying from Vermont to New York, then driving to Delaware, then to Franklin Marshall. So we had um, my younger siblings, I'm the oldest, both Michaela and Steven are both twins, and they both went to Franklin Marshall. Steven was the captain of his golf team, and Michaela was the captain of her field hockey team. And then Erin, she's a year younger than them. She's a captain of her field hockey team and lacrosse team at Middlebury. And then Brian, he's 15. He's a stud hockey player, football player, golfer. But uh, so it's been a crazy ride with them. Erin and Michaela played each other in the national semifinals in field hockey last year. And then this oh, wow. year they played in the national finals. Um, so having our whole family there just supporting each other, like you guys said, like, you know, supporting your kids, it's it just, it's such a cool experience. And I'm so glad that I'm able to, support my other siblings and watch my parents and how they live and die by every single goal. But it was pretty funny when my sisters are playing each other. Uh, my parents had shirts made up where they had a seamstress, you know, put the two half. shirts to get, put two shirts together. Yeah. And um, I was like, yeah. who are you guys voting for? Like whoever scores. So I know you're not going to, you know, know this yet because you don't have kids, but um, when you, you know, Next time you get a chance with your parents, thank them for all the time they spent. Oh my gosh, five kids with all those sports and that that's crazy. That, that's a lot of time everywhere. Unbelievable. Um, they did, they've done an unbelievable job. I think they're counting down the days till we got our driver's license. Um, so that was a right. big day for them as well as, well as us. <laughs> 
Was there, sorry, I got to ask real quick, guys. So I'm a twin myself. I have a twin sister um, and that's the only sibling I had. So I didn't know anything different, but uh, the twins, since you're the older sibling to the twins, were they competitive with each other at all with uh, time or sports? We were all super competitive with each other and everything we did, yeah, okay. whether it be who has the best handwriting to, you know, who had the best <laughs> grades in school to who yeah. could win in, you know, at a one-on-one hockey. And this is across gender, right? I wasn't letting my sisters beat me in anything. And like, they weren't letting us beat them in anything. It's just how it worked. We were super competitive. Um, but at the end of the day, we all loved each other. And it was a, it was a good competitive because we, we pushed each other to be, um, you know, better. And when we were playing lacrosse, I remember playing lacrosse in the backyard with the girls, they have their girls rules. We have our rules and we would play by our rules. Right. And so they got a lot better because they would be more physical and, and yeah. it's just the way it, it's mm-hmm. just the way it worked. We push each other to, you know, higher, higher limits. Awesome. Being a professional athlete now, like you said, that was always your goal. What is the best thing that maybe you you didn't know uh, or or didn't see coming to being that professional athlete? What is the absolute best for you being on that tour? It's a dream come true. I mean, you ask anybody, they'll say the same thing. I think for me, especially, I, I'm late to the game. I, I didn't play golf um, super competitively when I was young. So looking back on my career, like I would not have done it any other way. I got to experience all these different kinds of sports got to experience, you know, social life in high school, got to kind of do everything. And now, you know, I didn't sacrifice anything to get to where I am now. I sacrificed hours in college, but that was, I usually just, you know, sacrifice sleep. And when people were sleeping, I was working and that's kind of, kind of how I did. And now I look back and I'm just so fortunate to have this opportunity to kind of chase my dream. But on the other hand, I know I'm not done. I'm, I'm far away from where I want to get, want to be. And, uh, you know, I'm still hungry. When, when was your first kind of competitive um, golf tournament? How old were you when you, when you started that, that journey? I'd say, yeah, probably seventh grade is when I played like my first Met PGA, which is a super small uh, run organization in the metropolitan, golf, metropolitan area, you know, eight players, eight, eight to 16 players per event. So nothing large. Yeah. I didn't, I played an AJGA my senior year of high school and that was, the, you know, the big, the big um, amateur events. And that was the one AJGA I ever played in. So did you get recognition through the Ivy League schools just from your senior year from that from that year on or was it from earlier on? Yeah, it was it was interesting. I sent emails to all the Ivy League coaches, you know, Rutgers, Penn State, all the the Northeast schools, um, Stanford. I, you know, I had hopes of going there because I had good grades. But I played um, I played in every single Ike, which is a a big amateur event in the run by the Metropolitan Golf, Metropolitan Golf Association, the Met Open, the Met, Met Amateur. But those events were only run. They were only available to me because I didn't have, you know, the AJGA stars. So just because I wasn't able to go during the weekend to the AJGA events is why I played in those events. And I played really well in those. And that's what allowed me to, to kind of get those recognition from colleges. But that's why I never got any high, you know, D1 offers for golf specifically because I was never around to play those big AJGAs. I was playing hockey every weekend. So if I remember correctly, yeah. AJGAs are mostly on the weekend. So I, I never, I just can never play in them. And then that one I did play, I finished seventh, and I had a bunch of coaches watch me then because they they heard that I hit it far, but it's I was totally raw. I would hit it far and offline and just kind of get the ball in the hole as little shots as I could, but it was pretty fun. So what was your favorite sport? Like uh, golf got you to college and now you're doing the professionally and you got the bug, but like be honest, what was your favorite sport in high school? Like, hockey. What was the hockey? Not even, oh. not even a question. Hockey. I mean, you, you can go to my YouTube channel and look up the, the Road to Utica video that I made. It, it was... Uh, we trans my class transformed hockey at Scarsdale High School. We we went in as freshmen. Um, 
we were ranked, I think, like 1,200 in the state. And um, my junior and senior year, we were one in the state every single week, but never won a state championship. So it was uh, one of the coolest runs we went on in my entire life. And the whole school supported us. We had all the student body at all the games. And it was just one of those things that I think I'll never forget. Awesome. Yeah. So you talk about you hit the ball a mile, basically. And I saw on tour, you averaged 311 yards with your driver, which is phenomenal. So I really want to know, what is the one thing that you're doing that we're not doing? If you could give us one (laughs) tip to drive that ball that far, um, what would that be? He doesn't have an hour, Jared. He doesn't have have a whole year (laughs) to talk to us here. I mean, the funny thing is, I hit it long when I was young. And then I, once I got recruited to play football at school, I went on a huge bulk and I was 210 pounds my freshman year at Yale. And I hit the ball 30 yards shorter than I did my senior year of high school. So getting like lifting weights doesn't equal long drives. You need to be flexible. And that's one thing that I realized now. Um, I lost all that weight. I'm trying to put it back on and muscle, but I'm also focusing on flexibility because you have power. It, it's you need to combine that with flexibility. Otherwise, you're not going to be in the positions to hit a long, a long ball. So those are the two things. I think it's simple. You know, being strong and being flexible is uh, you know what leads the distance. That's awesome. So we had a um, you know a doctor on that was talking about Bryce DeChambeau. We're all, we're infatuated with that guy. And sorry to ask about somebody else on tour. We didn't, no, we no didn't really want to do that. But um, like, is that a goal of of players coming out of um, you know the the Corn Ferry Tour onto the PGA just to like bulk up and, and get that distance, or are you just happy where you're at with the distance you got with the accuracy that you have? Yeah, I think there's definitely two ways to look at it. One being, and this is my viewpoint personally, Bryson hits the ball incredibly far, which is giving him a greater opportunity to win. But he's also putting, chipping, and hitting his wedges and irons much better than everybody else's as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, golf's an art. If you have one piece of the puzzle, you're not going to win. You got to have all all aspects of the game covered. Um, I think that him hitting it farther is giving him, like I said, a much greater chance to win. So I think that if people don't look at that and, and try to incorporate that into their game, they're going to be at a disadvantage. I'm, I'm currently using this offseason to get back into the gym, try to put a bunch of weight on, like I said, um, while maintaining my flexibility. But if that's going to come at a cost of starting to hit you know, chips and, and putts poorly, I'm, not, I'm going to be a worse golfer. So like I said, what he's doing is admirable. And I, I really am impressed of how he's been able to do that and maintain his flexibility while not getting hurt. Um, so if I'm able to do that as well, I'm going to try, yeah, I might as well try. Yeah. So, well, I guess what I'm taking, I'll start joining my wife with those yoga sessions. I'll get my flexibility <laughs> up. Do it. hundred percent yoga. I do yoga every, every day. So that's definitely one thing you can do to improve your driving distance. You know, we have a lot of listeners that are amateur dads and we just play, you know, the weekend warrior golf. And, um, you know, myself personally, I've, I've committed some time to kind of improving my game a little bit, but you know, the, the golf plateau I've hit and, you know, I'm starting to regress a bit. So, I was just curious, you know, if you've had a couple bad rounds in a row, you know, or just kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're stressing about golf a little bit. Do you just kind of step away from the game or do you kind of grind it out double time on the range? I mean, what's your, what's your uh, mentality on, on those types of um, situations? For sure. I think that um, time management is also the most important thing when it comes to being an amber golfer. Um, when I was in school, I had to, you know, find time to practice and I had an hour to practice. I needed to know what to practice on instead of just going and range of hit, hit balls blindlessly, right? Knowing what to practice is the most important thing. Um, so going, going back to what you, what you'd asked, I think that taking time off is incredibly valuable. I'm going to Utah on Friday for two weeks, not bringing my clubs, going to Zion, going to, ba- like going to all these 
national parks and just escaping from the game. I think the game is super stressful, super mm-hmm. taxing on the body. And sometimes when you get in a slump, instead of practicing, stepping away is the best thing to do. Because if you practice and you're playing bad, you're going to ingrain a lot of those bad flaws unless you're with your coach and you're able to pick and you know find it early. Um, but right. if you start playing badly, you take a break, it's just going to kind of disappear on its own. So there is definitely something to be said for that. Yeah, no, that's definitely good advice. I mean, I feel like, you know, you step away from even like a week and, you know, you've already got your old swing back and you're, you're grooving it a little better. Exactly. So you know. the first, the first day back, you shoot your best score and then the next day kind of reality hits and you're back to, back to being human. What are you looking ahead for the next golf season? What's your focus and your goal going to be? Yeah, no, I'm taking some time off. I want to be creative again, do some photography. And then once that's, once that's done, I'm, I'm going to get back. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to get, I want to try to get stronger, faster, more stable and more resilient. And uh, then I'll be back and getting ready for the corn fairy season. We're going to get our schedule released uh, later this week. And once that's released, I'll be able to be able to make a schedule. And I'm looking forward to having a great year. I, you know, I, I was able to turn my conditional status into basically full status this year, which was a big goal of mine. But like I said before, there's a long ways to go. And I'm trying to get inside that top 75 to be eligible for playoffs and then top 25 from there. So there's an opportunity to get my tour card by the end of this year. And I'm going to do the best I can to get that. That's awesome, man. Yeah, when you get that card and you win that first major, I, I think I know, but who's going to be that first person you call? <laughs> I, well, I hope I don't have to call anybody and they're all there, but if COVID's still <laughs> happening, hopefully not. But, you know, it's 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 a FaceTime group chat to my family group chat. Yes, yeah, excellent. That's yeah. awesome. So, I, I have a random question. I was, um, you know, checking out your YouTube channel and you had a video in the Utah Salt Flats where you had a drone and it went out for like ever yep. to where you were gone right? Awesome <laughs> video. It's great. Um, did you ever get that drone back? <laughs> did oh, that yeah. just fly off into the No, into yeah. Ether? No, that's, I, no that, that thing's back in my bag. I got it all ready to go for Utah. But that was actually the Sunday before the Utah championship. Um, I was out there. Mondays, I like to take you know a day off because I've been playing the week before. So I found these soft flats. I'm like, oh, let's go out there. I was alone. Drove out there. Then I walked four miles out into the middle of the soft flats. And just sat down, took my drone out, flew it as far away as I can just to kind of show perspective. And it's one of the coolest videos I've ever taken. It's awesome, man. It's great. Yeah. Beautiful country. I was, I was just wondering how many drones you've been through in your career. Yeah. Five or six. Yeah. It's, nice. They definitely take a beating up. You can fly them two ways. You can fly them timid and just kind of get the you know overhead shot. Or you can fly proximity, proximity flying, which is you know flying super close to things and Half the time it comes out unscathed and the other half it's, you know, you're climbing a tree to get your drone back. So I like to, to kind of risk it. I saw the one you hit a four iron right past it. And I, I thought you, <laughs> oh, yeah. you might have clipped it there. Yeah. I haven't hit a golf ball into it yet. I think that thing would explode if I did. So I'm going to try to avoid that. Nice. Hey, James, um, if you want to share, where can the listeners find you and your, your projects you have going on? And are there any other projects you're currently working on that you want them to know about? Yeah. So I'm James Nicholas. James Nicholas Golf is my Instagram, along with James Nicholas fifty five. That's my golf and my travel Instagram, and then YouTube. My name James Nicholas. Um, I upload most of my most of my content to Instagram, and then once a month or once you know, couple every couple months, I will upload a full video to YouTube, and that's what I'm working on right now. During quarantine, the first couple of months, I think it's March and April. I took tons of content while practicing. Um, most courses were closed, but I was able to grind and. I'm putting together a day in the life video. I'm also putting together just a, like kind of a sizzle reel of, you know, cool golf shots, cool, cool angles, cool, um, you know, what have you. And that's just what I'm working on right now. And I'm looking forward to releasing it. 
still got some time because I think I'm going to be focusing on this Utah trip the next couple of weeks. But once I'm back and I can you know, send my mind to, to editing, I'm going to get it out there. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, we're going to definitely keep an eye on you, James. This has been uh, amazing. You have a long career ahead of you. Uh, really excited to see what you do on the tour. Um, thanks. We appreciate you having you on. Definitely, listeners, check out our show notes. Keep an eye on James and what he's accomplishing, not only in golf, but he's got some really great videos to check out. I'm, I want to see that day in the life. It sounds sounds epic. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you having me on. You just listened for free. Now, here's the deal. Go to our website at birdiedads.com and join us. You will get our golf starters guide and our golf coloring book for kids free right now by signing up. It just takes an email. Thanks for hanging out with us and we'll see you next time.